Hello and welcome to Japan Explained. If you, like me, love singing, you've probably tried karaoke at least once. But even if music and singing is not your thing, karaoke is one of these Japanese words that everybody just happens to know. And yes, it is pronounced karaoke, not karaoke. Kara means empty and oke is short for orchestra, a Japanese way of saying orchestra. So karaoke means musical accompaniment empty of vocals. But you probably already know this. Well, in Europe or Russia, there are some karaoke bars here and there. They've never really caught my attention. So my singing was reserved to some old karaoke CDs at grandma's or, more often, to the comfy window still in my room I shared with two speakers that were blasting any song I fancied at the time on repeat. In Japan, it all suddenly changed. If you go to a company party or just hang out with friends, Chances are, at some point, you'll end up in one of the karaoke boxes, singing this old Evangelion song nobody loves but everybody knows, so it is destined to be the first one to play. And within a week of being in the country, I ended up in a Jankara joint, struggling my way through hiragana and katakana of my favorite anime songs. Really helps you with language studies, by the way. And that's how the never-ending series of karaoke parties started. But enough about me. One thing you can learn from this story. Karaoke boxes are much more popular in Japan than karaoke bars. Why is it so and how did karaoke become this worldwide phenomenon? Short answer? Well, obviously because it's awesome. But you probably want a longer one, so let me explain karaoke to you. Looking at the history of humankind, people always loved singing. They sang to their gods, their friends and families, they sang at parties and at war. But since not everyone is born with a magic ability to sing a cappella, most of us humans sing when there is music. And so it wouldn't be surprising that in 1961, the year when TV was still black and white, yet most people in developed countries already had one, American TV viewers were just enchanted by the show Sing Alone with Mitch Miller. Hosted by Mitch Miller and featuring a male chorus, the program encouraged its viewers to sing alone. The lyrics were right there, at the bottom of the screen. And this, some people say, is the origin of karaoke. But sorry, it is not. To explain it in the simplest possible way, karaoke is not something to listen to. It is more a tool to help you and Michi's show could have been easily enjoyed on its own. You could sing alone, but you didn't have to, the chorus already did the job. Since the origin of karaoke doesn't wait for us in the US, let's travel back to Japan, where after the Second World War, American popular culture flooded in, and so jukeboxes came to Japan. They never got as popular here as they were in the US, but in the 1950s and early 60s, Multiple attempts were made to turn jukeboxes into singing machines by connecting one to the microphone. It obviously didn't change the fact that they still played songs complete with vocals. In 1967, Yamachiku, a retail record store in Kanazawa, produced Music Minus One singles of popular songs in cooperation with Japan Victor and sold them to clubs that were equipped with a Victor jukebox, to which Yamachiku installed a microphone. Soon, national, 
another major manufacturer of electric appliances, cooperated with Yamachiku in releasing the same kind of singles, and the business lasted for some 10 years. But this was also not karaoke. It was music minus one, played in jukebox. And while the trend lasted for some time, it had two major disadvantages for the user. It was too difficult for an average semi-drunk customer of the bar with a jukebox, and the jukebox itself couldn't carry many songs, so the choice was very limiting. Plus, jukeboxes were bulky for the tiny Japanese bars. The solution for this problem, however, comes in 1968, when Hamazaki Iwao came up with the idea of combining the jukebox and the 8-track continuous loop cartridge. Completed with a microphone mixer and a coin timer, so that bar customers could pay and sing along with recordings, the invention was called a mini juke. But this, the strict scholars tell me, was not the beginning of karaoke either. Karaoke, they say, is intended for the public at large, with accompanying music deliberately arranged for amateurs in its key, tempo, structural duration, and so on. So, music minus one in any form doesn't count. And so we move to the 1970s. At that time, music shows on TV were at the height of their popularity in Japan and music programs were numerous. Some would feature famous musicians, while the others gave some spotlight to the regular people. Singing on TV like popular stars was an achievable dream now. The problem was, and still is by the way, Japanese homes are not meant for any loud noises, including singing and playing music. So people went to bars, where they could sing with a lone guitarist or sometimes even a band. But it was expensive for the bars and that's the reason Mini Juke and other early inventions aiming at replacing the band with the machine were quite popular. And that's in the bar, where our story really started. Inoue Daisuke was a bandsman working in Kobe. And he had a great skill for the job. He could instantly adjust his playing to match the key and tempo of any singer. So he was in great demand. But Inoue was not only a musician. He and his five colleagues were the owners of a small recording company called Music Crescent, which leased pre-recorded music loop cartridges to bars that had car stereo decks installed, but were not yet connected to cable radio. Following the International Expo 70 in Osaka, cable radio penetrating the area drastically decreasing Music Crescent's clientele. And so Inoue and others were forced to work as musicians to make ends meet. One day, one of their regular customers approached them, asking to record him a few accompaniment tracks to take on a company trip. He was going to use them to entertain employees with his singing. The tape was a hit. The customer was very pleased with the accompaniment that was adapted to his way of singing, that he ordered taped accompaniment for more of his favorite songs. Inoue sensed a business opportunity. Then the story goes two ways. One, soon afterwards, a friend showed Inoue the newly developed hybrid of jukebox and car stereo, and then Inoue decided to give his idea a try. The second, Inoue decided to act on his idea and asked a friend for help, with a device to play his music. But the result was the same. Inoue and his friends and colleagues from Music Crescent started working on their new project. They recorded a few tapes of their musical performances adjusted for amateur singers, and made a machine to play them. It was small, but it had speakers, a microphone with mixing and echo controls, a coin insert and a timer. 
5 minutes of play for 100 yen. That was a very smart move. Songs of the time were on average 3.5 minutes long, so to finish the second song you had to put in another coin. To let user pick the song and play it from the beginning with a push of a button, the feature regular audio cassettes didn't allow, they used 8 track tapes. In 1971, the system was completed. The first 10 boxes named Chris and Duke with 12 8 song tapes each were leased to the bars. Thus, the upfront cost for the bar was low, while monthly payments allowed the company to continue making tapes for the lineup. Soon, Crescent was receiving more than 50 orders a month. But the system was never patented, allowing new players to freely enter the market. As for the lyrics, they were handwritten and photocopied. To prevent them from getting damaged, they were inserted into vinyl albums. And this was a development Inno actually patented in 1974. In 1973, the Crescent people entered into cooperation with TNM, a newly formed karaoke manufacturer. They also found out that the amateur singers were not that particular about the quality of the sound, and so doubled the number of songs recorded on the 8-track loop tape by recording in monorail instead of stereo. And as Japan's economy was booming, so did the popularity of karaoke bars, where middle-aged men were gathering to rest after work. One study also suggests that the reason behind the popularity of karaoke in 1970s Japan lays in the lack of musical education in pre-war Japan. While young people born after the war would express themselves playing the guitar and listening or dancing to Western music, the older generation had different music tastes, but not many people could read music and play instruments. With karaoke equipment, people could sing even if they could not read music, and the use of an echo changer made them feel just like professionals. In mid-70s, the major record companies in Japan, including Teichiku, King, Columbia, Toshiba, EMI, Victor and Polydor, almost all at once started to be involved in a karaoke business. And around the same time, the karaoke was finally patented in the Philippines. A man called Roberto del Rosario developed his sing-along system and patented it in 1975, making him the sole holder of a patent for karaoke system in the world. In 1978, a machine that automatically rates the pitch, tempo and rhythm of the singer's performance on a 100-point scale was introduced and soon became a standard feature of a karaoke. In 1982, LaserDisc format was adopted for karaoke. Lyrics now could be displayed on the screen and match the audio, the color of the words changing to show exactly where you are at the song, and the background video would match the mood. By the mid-80s, karaoke was popular not only in Japan, but around the world. Two decades later, Inoue Daisuke would be even awarded the Ig Nobel Peace Prize for inventing karaoke, thereby providing an entirely new way for people to learn to tolerate each other. But that was just the beginning of the glorious journey of karaoke. In Japan, at the time karaoke was reserved for the bars and their clientele, middle-aged men. Women, young people and children didn't go there, and so a big part of the demographics was lost for the market. This would change with the appearance of karaoke boxes. In 1985, in Okayama, 
used shipping containers were repurposed into karaoke boxes to be booked by private groups. That's where the box in the name is supposedly coming from. Since alcohol was not an essential part of the experience, boxes became popular with the non-drinking public, young people, women and families. Soon small karaoke rooms started to appear in leisure places such as game centers, bowling alleys and buildings in urban areas. The so-called sober karaoke has greatly expanded the karaoke market. The gross income of the industry doubled between 1986 and 1991 and doubled again in 1995, reaching 1 trillion yen. In 1991, the word karaoke appeared in the Oxford Dictionary of New Words. And a year later, a new technology, online karaoke, made its debut. New songs were sent via telephone lines or cables from a host computer to the individual karaoke machines, where they would then be stored on the inbuilt hard disk. This we can call a karaoke revolution. Before, more songs meant more disks. Now it was all data. The size of the machines was reduced, and that also meant that new songs were available much faster. 1996 was the peak year for the karaoke industry. There were around 160,000 karaoke rooms in the country. But since then the popularity of it slowly declines. In 2011, karaoke boxes generated 380 billion yen, down 40% from the peak years. And there are some obvious reasons for that. Shrinking population and the ever-increasing number of entertainment options. Plus, maintaining a shop is more expensive now while karaoke still holds the image of cheap entertainment. To stay relevant, karaoke parlors nowadays have to get creative, and that's where special rooms appear. I couldn't find the exact year, but I'll put my bet on the late 2000s, early 2010s. Meeting rooms, kid rooms, dog rooms or rooms for practicing musical instruments are some of the common ones, but my favorite joint in Kyoto also had a bouldering room and a skating room and also a so-called skeleton room, a glass aquarium transmitting your singing directly to the unexpected passers-by via a pair of giant speakers. But before I dive further into features of a standard karaoke parlor and ways to get the best of your visit to the karaoke, let's look at one thing that makes the full experience so special – the karaoke song. As I said a bit earlier, nowadays all available songs are stored on a hard disk inside the karaoke machine. On average, you get to pick between 150,000 songs, a great improvement from the original 48. Plus, every month around 1,000 new songs are added to the system. A few megabytes here and there add up pretty fast, so the size of the data is really important. And you'll be surprised how tiny the karaoke song is. That's because a popular song undergoes a major transformation before ending up in a karaoke machine. First, the sound copying specialist listens to the original song and takes notes. Then, he recreates it from scratch. No audio data is sampled from the source material. Record companies also don't provide any sheet music or lyrics. So, the sound copying specialist would start with memorizing the rhythm and structure of the song then write and shit music for it. When this is ready, he proceeds with writing his own version of a song. 
Using electric piano with pre-installed instruments, he picks the best matches. First, the melody is recreated, then other instruments are added to create the feeling of the original song. This process takes somewhere between two days and a week, depending on the complexity of the original record. At the end of the process, we'll get the melody you hear in karaoke. Adjusting for the amateur singers, simplified and waiting just about one three hundredths of the original. For example, a 30 megabyte record would turn into 150 kilobyte karaoke melody. Next is the turn of a subtitle specialist. I never noticed it, but there are some strict rules karaoke subtitles have to follow. Each line can only have 11 characters or symbols, and maximum of four lines can be displayed at once. When all the lyrics is split into lines, it's time to adjust the position of the subtitles on the screen. Decide the timing and place color marks to determine when each character should be sung, so the titles will change colors together with music. A secret for this is that the moving marker should be 0.1, 0.3 seconds ahead of the timing, the singing of the original. Then the titles are added to the video. For the songs with a guide vocal, the vocal artist will also be employed. And only then will the song be finally sent to the karaoke machine. Now that everything is ready for your visit to karaoke, let's look at what a typical Japanese karaoke looks like nowadays. As you already know, there are two categories of karaoke places in Japan. Bars and boxes. In bars that are usually quite small, you drink and sing in front of people. There is a karaoke machine there, but you don't operate it yourself. Instead, you can request a song from a person in charge. You probably won't go to a bar alone. Most likely you'll, you'll be dragged there by co-workers who are not the same age as you and don't have the same musical taste. But it's a bar and people get drunk here pretty easily, so singing is not the main goal of the visit anyway. Theoretically, you come to socialize and strengthen the group connections. Practically, it doesn't always work this way. In karaoke boxes, on the other hand, you can also order food and drinks, but singing is the main dish. You don't want to bring your co-workers there, instead go with friends, classmates or anyone else who shares your taste in music. You don't want to make a mistake bringing that one person that picks K-pop songs during your rock party or screams heavy metal while everybody else enters the latest adult group hits. And uh, while it is a sort of socializing, the conversations are rare. Not that they are forbidden, but more avoided naturally. While bars are only opened at night, boxes cater to the wider demographic, and so they are usually open from 11 in the morning till the dawn the next day. And since singing is the main attraction, you pay for it. Karaoke boxes are booked per time and priced per 30 minutes per person. Your room is usually rather small, but it's soundproof and private. You won't look stupid in front of strangers and can pick any songs you like. Why can't I sing whatever I like in the bar? You may ask from the Western perspective. But believe me, you don't want to show your inner geek to your colleagues in Japan. It's too personal and so not a very good taste. And that's the reason why in Japan and Asia in general, karaoke boxes are way more popular than karaoke bars. They're cozy and almost homelike, so you can relax. You can even come alone if you don't want to meet anyone that day. 
and this option is getting more and more popular. When you decided which type of establishment suits you better, it's time to visit one. There is not much to be told about visiting a karaoke bar, except a bit of advice to drink moderately and not to miss the last train. But when it comes to karaoke boxes, there are a few things that will make your visit more pleasant. First, the time of your visit matters. Well, weekday afternoons are usually not crowded and cheaper priced, evenings and especially Friday and Saturday nights get very busy and somewhat pricey. So you might not get the room in all the karaoke system you want. Queuing is also not fun and can take hours, so maybe book in advance to save time. Now you are in the karaoke parlor and need to pick the room. You don't have a say in the size of the room you want, you'll get what matches your number of people and what's available. But what you usually can pick is if your room is smoking or non-smoking. Yes, smoking indoors is still considered normal in Japan, so make sure you've got the right room. Then comes the best part, picking the system. Most karaoke parlors in Japan have two, Joy Sound and Live Down. Joy Sound has a better interface and some fun features, but the songs are made for beginners. Lifetime doesn't look gorgeous even in its latest releases, but songs sound much closer to the original. They are also more difficult to sing, so pick the system according to your abilities. It's not a competition here, it's all about having fun. Also, both systems have English, Chinese, Korean and some French or German songs, so you don't have to worry if you can't read Japanese. Entering the room, you'll see a very standard set of things. A TV, a karaoke machine with a touchscreen remote, a food ordering machine and two microphones, disinfected and packed in plastic baggies. Take a trip to the drink bar that is usually included in the price and let's have a better look at the remote in front of you. First, pick your language. Most of the machines are available in Japanese, English, Chinese and Korean. Then, pick your first song. It might be a challenge for many, so you can use the same remote or your smartphone and create yourself an account. Pick your favorite songs and make a list. Next time, you won't have to struggle remembering the names of songs and artists. The popular song list is also here to help you. Plus, they give you safe choices. If you are not sure what to pick, if you ended up in karaoke box with your colleagues or just went with friends whose taste in music you don't really know, pick something from the popular list. Japan is all about preserving your privacy and giving you socially approved choices. So yes, there are safe songs in karaoke too. When the song is finally picked, you can adjust the key, speed or volume of the mic and music. Most people don't touch these buttons, but try and you'll see how much better you sound when you don't have to reach for the notes you can't reach. There is also a way to change your voice. Some people love it, some hate, so don't play with it when others are singing if you are not sure they are okay with that. One more thing you can set using the remote is the automatic scoring system. And nowadays, the same machine will probably have a few for you to pick from. You can decide to skip the scoring altogether or you can opt in. And if you pick the classic scoring, at the end of the song it will not only show you when you've got the notes right, but the length of your vibrato, pitch, rhyme, expressiveness and consistency. It also shows you if the song is in your range or next time you'd better take something higher or lower. You can also choose to be compared with other people nationwide. 
and it always feels good to be higher than average or even climb in top something. With the scoring function delegated to the machine, nobody else will ever attempt to judge your singing. You sing, people applaud. People sing, you applaud. And while we are on it, there are a few other rules you should follow in karaoke, beatbox or bar. Rule number one, you take turns and don't pick two or more songs in a row unless it's predecided. Rule number two, you don't pick the same song twice. Always check what have people already picked before you ordered. This is done to prevent competition, but also that way people can keep their mochuta. So yes, rule number three, you don't sing someone else's mochuta. It's a song associated with a particular person in the group. My friends would never pick Kaimu by One O'Clock or Bon Jovi's It's My Life when I'm there. And I know that Mia sings Kayon songs, Taylor Swift is only for Betty and Ayama always gets to sing that song from Makros. Rule number four, you never boo. Doesn't matter how bad someone is, you applaud. If they want to know their ability, they ask the machine. Then comes last rule I briefly mentioned earlier. You don't go picking hard rock songs while everybody else goes for light pop. Respect the mood. Don't want to follow the rules or want to practice? Sing alone. And you're not alone here. Since 2008, the trend for solo boxes is on the rise. While not every karaoke parlor has them, your typical solo room will be just around one and a half to square meters in size. It's basically a big cupboard. There is only enough room for the TV, table with a setup, and place for you to stand or sit. But it looks kind of like a recording studio you see in the movies. You get music through the headphones, and the mic is usually of better quality. Since being a good singer in a group does give you popularity points in Japan, many people come to practice new songs before they present them in front of the audience. Plus, standard karaoke rules don't apply to solo boxes, so you can sing the same song on repeat. Pick any songs and mix them the way you like. So yes, while elsewhere people try to get out of the closet, Japanese people feel better getting into one. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Japan Explained. Please let me know what are your favorite karaoke songs and about your experience with karaoke in general. Looking forward to hearing from you on japanexplained.com or my Instagram page. Talk to you soon. Bye.